Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. You know, sometimes when I'm up here speaking, I, uh, I, I, I kind of wander around, like I have this sort of nice big stable place up here, and then I uh, occasionally will sort of get into what I'm saying, and I get up here like on this little step, and then I almost fall, like I've almost fallen many times here. And so if I fall, um, you can laugh, but please call 911 because I probably broke something because I'm getting to that uh, stage of life where uh, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But I was thinking about um, in life, um, there's a lot of instability. There's a lot of things in life that, if, if we're uh, honest, could probably make us topple. And there's great stability that we have through our faith in Christ. And I, I want to talk about the uh, stability of being God's kid, being God's kid. That's the, the theme today. Uh, the reason why I chose that theme, and I, I really kind of wrestled with what do I share with you on the Sunday where we all go back to school and I asked my wife, you know, what do you think kids need to hear and teachers need to hear? She's a mom of three. We have three boys that are in school. We have, uh, uh, you know, close ties to our school and to this school. My wife works at a school. I'm like, okay, you probably know better than anybody. And here's what she said. She said for the kids, we're proud of you. God is always with you. You have nothing to prove because you're already so loved. And she said, shine your light in a place that can be not so bright sometimes. And when she said that, I was like, don't we all need to hear that? Uh, and if we're, if we're honest, um, even as adults that are taking responsibility and adulting and all the things that we grow and mature into, there's still a part of us that needs to hear words like that. And throughout the scripture, God is depicted as a father. And we are called his children, a child of God. And so I, I want to talk about being God's kid. We're going to be in Psalm 103. Uh, if you want to turn there with me, I'm also going to have it on the screen for you in the um, in the translation that I'm going to be reading from, if you have an app that you use to read the Bible, totally cool. You can pull that out. Psalm 103 is what we're going to be reading. This is a Psalm of David. And um, Jason mentioned this during the worship, but this, this is the Hebrew hymnal. This was their songbook, And yet these songs are so full of truth. And there's some beautiful truths in here that I want us to look at today. Psalm 103, I'll begin in verse one. He's, he says, my soul, bless the Lord. All that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. 
He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Verse six, the Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So this is a beautiful psalm, and it's full of all kinds of good stuff. And I think you know this, but anytime I preach from any passage, it it could be a verse, it could be 20 verses. There's no way that I can talk about every aspect of the passage in one sermon, unless you want church services to last for like, you know, till the evening, which you probably don't. You probably want to have lunch sometime today. So... um, I can't say everything, but I have to say something up here. And there's something that I want to talk to us about when it comes to being God's kid. And it's verse 13 and 14. If you want to just look at that one more time in verse 13 and 14, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we're made of remembering that we are dust. Now, there's some things here that are obscured to us because we're Americans and we're not uh, Jewish people who are reading this in ancient times. See, this was, uh, it says, my soul bless the Lord. That, that word is Jehovah. And when you look back at Moses on Mount Sinai, there was the, where God calls him up and he gets the Ten Commandments. You probably know the story. And then he comes down and they're worshiping a calf. And he gets really upset and he breaks the Ten Commandments. And, you know, he's, he's angry with the people. Of course, God's angry with the people. And then there's this uh, kind of intercession. Moses intercedes for the people. It's like, don't destroy them, God. The nations will, will say that, you know, you're, you're not a real God if you destroy your own people. 
And then eventually the Lord calls him back up the mountain and there's this moment where God passes in front of Moses. So he's on this mountain that's literally consumed in fire and smoke. He walks up into it and the Lord passes in front of him and he says, the Lord, the Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah. That's the name that God tells us, reveals to us. And then he, he uh, quotes this from, I believe we are in verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. This was, this was a part of their history. It's like, this is when the Lord spoke to us and revealed himself to us. And here's how he's revealed himself. Slow to anger, abounding in faithful love as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on you. I love this psalm because it's holy self-talk. Now, you probably talk to yourself, right? Some of you talk out loud to yourself in your house, maybe in your car, maybe in your office. You talk out loud. I do that sometimes. I probably look like a crazy man, okay? But he's saying, bless the Lord, my soul. My soul is this holy self-talk, and he goes through the Rolodex of God's goodness, and it's beautiful. And so today, as we think of the stability that comes from being God's kid, I want to point out a few things about what it means to be God's kid. The first thing that I want you to understand is that being God's kid means your relationship with him is lopsided. I believe I have a slide for that, guys, in the back. Your relationship with him is lopsided. It's the first thing it means. I want you to think about that. He's the father, and you're the child. He's set up a relationship in which you have all the needs, and he has all the resources. He says in uh, verses 2 through 12, right, he forgives all your iniquities, meaning you have all the iniquities and he has all the forgiveness. You have all the diseases and he has all the healing. Your, your life is going into the pits, to destruction, but he's the redeemer, he satisfies you. Your youth is renewed. Like it's, it's like you have all these needs, and yet God has all the resources, and that's how he's rigged the entire thing. It's a lopsided. It's a one-sided relationship. In Isaiah 40, 28 through 29, a famous passage where he says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. So he has all strength and all understanding. He's unlimited and he gives strength to the faint and he strengthens the powerless. That means that your ceiling, the top of your limit, the top of your capacity is like not even God's basement, right? It's, he's unlimited and yet you're this limited creature. And I know, 
as Americans who are into hard work and, and not just taking out the free hand that we get, that there's something in us that feels like that's a little bit wrong, right? It seems noble to not need anything, right? We, we pray prayers like, God, I know there's a lot going on in the world. Here's my little bitty request, and it's not, you know, it's nothing that, you know, big. So you know, if you can get to it, great. If not, that's okay. And it seems noble, and yet we have this moment in the end of Scripture in Revelation chapter 3, where a church uh, in Laodicea, and it says that they were rich, and they said to themselves, we're rich and we have no needs. And God says, uh, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold, and I just want to spew you out of my mouth. And he begins to tell them, look, you, you think you have no needs, and you have no idea how needy you really are. You should come to me and buy the gold, the pure gold, right, to, to get the clothing that doesn't wear out. He, he calls them to need him. And that's the, the passage where it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to his church who thinks that they don't need anything. You see, God has set up this lopsided relationship, and when you act like you don't need anything, God really doesn't like it because it's not true. We have all the needs, and he has all the resources. We need to embrace this lopsided relationship, right? Because if we don't, because here's what happens. We think we don't need anything. God, I'm good. I'm so blessed. Oh, hashtag blessed, right? I'm good. I don't need anything. But what happens is we just begin to rely on ourselves more and more. We, we, we think, I got this, God. And then before we know it, we've moved from the stability of trusting the Lord, and now we're out here trusting ourselves, and then like one little thing happens, and we, we're falling off in life again. And so, friends, we need to embrace this lopsided relationship of being God's kid. The second thing is that being God's kid means that there's mercy for your mess-ups. Isn't that good? There's mercy for your mess-ups. The, the, the verse 13, he says, as a father has compassion, your translation might say pity or mercy. Like he pities you. He has mercy. He has compassion for you. And the reason is he knows what we're made of. He knows we're limited. He knows that we're dust. He's making a creation reference of him forming man from the dust. And he's like, look, I was there. I know what you're made of. You're made from dust. And that's why at funerals we say from ashes to ashes, from dust to dust, a returning to dust. He says that our lives are like grass, right? The wind blows and it vanishes. Talking about the brevity of our Lives. He knows what we're made of. He, he knows that we're mere mortals. And knowing this does not evoke disgust in him. It evokes mercy, compassion. The other day, um, 
we were riding bikes as a family. That's something that started for us during coronavirus is we're like, we're going to go ride bikes. And so it's kind of continued now for us. And we were riding bikes. We go down to this little corner store down the hill. And then we go up to a parking garage and we go up four flights of a parking garage. And coming down a parking garage on a bicycle is just pure magic. Okay. If you've never done it before on those ramps, it's, oh, Nice speed, it's great, my boys love it. So I'm riding behind my youngest son on the way home. It's gotten dark now, the street lamps are shining. And I am noticing that he's still a little bit wobbly, right? He, he's wobbly, but he gets, he's a very imaginative kiddo. And he's, he sings his shadow on the sidewalk as we're, and so it's like, you know how it is when you're a kid, and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna do some moves, right? Because I can see my shadow. And like his, he starts going one-handed and starts doing like moves with his hand, like on his shadow. He's watching his shadow, and I'm like behind him, and I'm like, as a dad, I'm like, this is great. Like I'm just enjoying him being a kid. And I'm also thinking, okay, the road's there. Cars are coming here, he's one-handed, he's wobbly, and I'm like ready, like I'm gonna like yell or I'm gonna dart out and I'm gonna make sure he doesn't fall into the road and die, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's a compassion, there's, there's like a readiness because I know that at any moment, it's possible that he falls over, that he falls. I believe what the psalmist is saying is that God's kind of like that as he watches us. You know, my son, I'm not expecting him to be a, a polished cyclist who's fully aware of all of his surroundings, okay? He's not there yet. And so as a parent, I've set my bar of expectation appropriately for his stage of development. Because I think there's compassion in that. And I know we are called to be growing disciples of Jesus. We're called to maturity. We're all making steps. We're growing in our faith. We're, we're making decisions that are new for us. And if we're honest, we're still a little wobbly at times. There's, there's parts of our lives where we're like, I, I'm, I'm on the sidewalk. I'm kind of like this, right? And at any moment, I could fall. And God has compassion. He has mercy for our mess-ups. I love this passage from 1 John 2. I think I have a, a slide for this. 1 John 2, 1 through 2, it says, my little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. I don't want you to fall. Don't fall. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Isn't that beautiful? I'm writing this so that you don't sin. I don't want you to fall. I know you're a little bit wobbly, but if you do, guess what? There's mercy. There's mercy because of Jesus. Being God's kid means there's mercy for our mess-ups. The third thing, being God's kid means there's always someone looking out for you. There's always somebody looking out for you. 
verse 17 of Psalm 103. It says, but from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him in his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. And this idea of faithful love is like the, it's kind of like this thing that gets repeated in the Psalm four times. It says, faithful love, faithful love, faithful love, faithful love. And he's saying the Lord's faithful love is toward you. Now, if you and I were to go to a shooting range and I had a deer rifle in my hand that I was going to side in at the shooting range, and if I'm shooting that rifle near you, cool, right? You have earmuffs on, fine. But as soon as I shoot that rifle towards you, we have a different scenario, right? So that's a very negative example. I'm not going to shoot you, I promise, okay? The point I'm making is that we, we sometimes feel like the love of God is just this thing that's out there, and you're either walking into it or walking out of it. Like parents, you're going to create a loving environment in your home, but your love for them is not something that they walk into and walk out of. It's something that's directed to them personally at all times. And he says that his faithful love is like that, that it's you. There's speed and then there's velocity. Velocity is speed with direction. And that's how God's love, it's not just love out there, it's love that's directed personally. He's faithful in his love toward us. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting is this very same phrase is used in Psalm 33, 18. And it says, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. And it's this picture of like his eye on you, like his, his focus is on you as a father watching over you, his love directed toward you. And that means that if, even if no one is looking out for you, someone's looking out for you. Did you hear that? I don't know, in your life, if you feel like no one's looking out for me, you feel like it's all on you, it's all on your shoulders, it's, everything's right there, I'm out here hung out to try, it's all on me, and I just want you to know, from the word of God, Someone is always looking out for you. The reality is that when we begin to live like no one's looking out for us, we become really unstable people. Um, I was thinking this week of a couple instances where it was very evident that God was looking out for people. One of them, we had a close friend, a very close friend of our family, and uh, the daughter, when she was about two or three, had leukemia, a very, very terrible thing for a parent to go through. 
And this would have been about you know, 30, 35 years ago. Uh, the, the mom and the dad are here in Houston at MD Anderson getting their two, three-year-old daughter treated for leukemia. And of course, all the emotions and, and just the angst they're feeling about their child. And the father uh, goes for a drive here in Houston in the family suburban. And he's just got to get out of the hospital and clear his head. And so he gets in the, the suburban, drives out of the hospital, and he's driving around Houston. He's got his windows down, and he's just kind of just praying and just trying to clear his head. And he gets up to a stoplight, and a stranger pulls up next to him in, at the stoplight, rolls down the window and says, your daughter's going to be just fine, rolls up the window and drives off. By the way, 30, 35 years later, the daughter's perfectly healthy and fine. How do we explain that? Could have been an angel, possibly. Could it be a, somebody who has just like a crazy prophetic gifting and just knows, like God said, roll down your window and say that to this guy. They did, you know, who knows? But what we do know is that somebody was looking out for a father who was really, really struggling with his daughter's diagnosis. Um, last summer, uh, we had a sort of an extended family friend on Casey's side post something on uh, Facebook. I think I have a picture of this, Zach. If you go to the next, uh, that right there. So there's, he posted a picture of this massive tree limb. And uh, I recently had a massive tree limb fall out of my tree. It was not as big as that tree limb. And it was very heavy. Me and my neighbor could not lift it. And he said that, uh, that, and I think there's one more, Zach. You want to go to the next one? You can see how. So this tree limb fell 40 feet on his mother's head. She's in, she was in her 80s. And so if you can imagine something that heavy falling from 40 feet in the air fell on her head and fractured her skull. They had to put staples in her skull. Uh, it, it broke a vertebrae in her back because it hit so hard. And... What the family couldn't figure out is how did she walk 40 yards from the tree to the house? Because the tree falls on her and then she somehow guts into the house. Her husband has severe uh, uh, Alzheimer's, so he's not fully there, but he's able to tell, she's able to tell him, call 911. He calls 911. She says, call my good friend so-and-so. Good friend so-and-so comes over before the EMS gets there and literally soaks through two towels worth of blood coming off this, this poor lady's head. And later as she's in recovery in the hospital, the family's like, they're still puzzling, like, how did she get out from under that limb into the house 40 yards away? And she tells, you know, at some moment, one of her sons was in the room. She said, if it wasn't for those four men taking the limbs off of me, that I'm positive that would have killed me. And they're saying, what four men are you talking about? Because the friend that got there didn't see anyone. The husband, of course, he has Alzheimer's, so who knows? <laughs> but... If I were them, I would have stuck around to be like, you know, I'm going to make sure that you get taken care of it, you know, the, the EMS comes. When the, when, the, when the EMTs get there, 
There's not four men. There's no four men that anyone knows about except for this woman who had four men lift a tree limb off of her and carry her in or help her get into the house 40 yards away. How do we explain that? The guy who posted said, I'm just posting this so you know that our Jesus is real and that he's still working miracles. Just beautiful pictures of how someone is always looking out for you. Being God's kid means there's always someone looking out for you. So as we close, there's two things I want to speak to. The first thing is this. Some of you are thinking, does this really apply to me? And that's the question you're having. Does this apply to me? Maybe this is for all the like good people in the room, but not for me. Does God have compassion for me? Is he looking out for me? Am I God's kid? And how can I know? The psalmist includes these little details throughout. You probably heard them. Twice he says, to those who fear him. And then he says in verse 18, who keep his covenant and who observe his precepts. So what he's saying is, look, these are, these are the promises of, of God, but it's not like this generic love for all humanity. It's for a specific people. It's to those who believe and who obey him. And I, I think I have a passage, John 1, 12 through 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, he gave them the right, get that, the right to be children of God. To all who received him. To those who believe in his name who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of men, but of God. And so if you're wondering, is it for me? I would just ask, is it for you? Do you believe in his name? Have you received, to all who received him, have you received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. There's another moment in the ministry of Jesus where he calls a small child in front of um, his disciples and he has them stand and he says, truly, I tell you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. He said, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom. To be God's kid, it needs some kid-like humility and some kid-like faith. The gospel says that the father moved towards you before you could ever move towards him. That he sent Jesus to save you, to pay for your sins on the cross, and through his resurrection, he offers you new life and a new heart and a new family adopted into the family of God to be his kid. So today I want to invite you to believe, to turn, to trust 
in Jesus. Lastly, the psalm implores us to bless the Lord and to not forget. And that's the phrase that I want to leave us with today. Don't forget. Don't forget. We so quickly wander from the stability of trusting and knowing our Father. And the slightest little thing can topple us. Remember his goodness towards you. Trust it. Cling to it. Because you're God's kid. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.